I um, had, had something unique happen to me yesterday after we left uh, the funeral services for Miss Pat. I had went home and um, just felt a draw to go pray for a while. It just felt like a draw to be in God's presence, which is not an, that's not the unusual thing because I, I kind of spend my Saturday afternoons doing that anyway. But I had this real heaviness on my heart, and as God was just drawing me into a time of prayer with him. And, uh, and then I felt like he was trying to birth something in me, trying to say something to me. And I don't know how God deals with you, but I, but I know when God's speaking or trying to say something to me, you have to kind of work your way into it. You know, it, it takes a lot of work to hear God when you're, you know, especially when you're preaching. You know, it's... Because you want to, you want, I do, I want to hear the mind of God. And so I just began to press into that a little bit and then um, got all the way to about 10 o'clock last night and thought I knew what we wanted to do today. I've been working on it most of the week, uh, in and out, but got to about 10 o'clock last night and God just began to breathe something different inside of me. And so uh, I, just, I just captured something in the spirit there that I felt like God was saying something to us. And I want to do what I can today to release part of that, part of that over this house, because I believe God is bringing us into some very strategic days. I, th I think some of the, mo the most monumental moves of God we have yet to see. We have yet to see. And there is about to be such a significant turnaround in the kingdom of God and the powers of hell are literally trembling in their shoes right now because if God's people ever catch wind of the Holy Ghost and what he is doing we will forever be wrecked in his presence and the enemy will forever be signed defeated amen so I want to go to chapter 12 and then I want I want to release what the Lord said to me, in a, in a sense, uh, kind of out of my title today, Matthew chapter 12. Just a few verses here, very familiar passage of Scripture, but it just kind of helps tie into what I think God's breathing on us. Verse number 43 says, Now when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and it does not find it. And then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the last state of the man becomes worse than the first. And that is the way it will also be with this evil generation. Notice that when an unclean spirit moves out of a place, if that place doesn't get filled with something different, that spirit comes back in and it's seven times worse because it brings company. Amen? Now look with me in Second Kings. And I'm using, I felt like, I was just, when I was praying, I was just reading through different portions of scriptures because that's kind of how God speaks to me. And, and, and this portion of scripture just really began to magnify itself to me. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 19. 
Then the, men, then the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold now, the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. And he said, Bring me a new jar. Somebody shout a new jar. And put some salt in it. So they brought it to him, and he went out to the spring of water, and he threw the salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord. I have purified, one translation says, I have healed these waters, and there shall not be from their death or unfruitfulness any longer. One translation says there won't be any more barrenness or miscarriages any longer. So the waters have been healed or purified to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. And so when I was praying and hearing what God was saying, in verse number 20, he said, bring me a new jar. And that word new just really began to get highlighted. And this is what I heard the Lord say over this house and over your life and something that we're going to begin to embark on over the next several weeks. I heard the Lord say, new outpourings. New outpourings. There's going to be a new outpouring over your life. Will you just high-five about three people and tell them it's going to be a fresh anointing? Come on, just tell them it's going to be a fresh anointing. It's going to be a fresh anointing. New outpourings in the realm of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So, Father, this morning we thank you for the power. We thank you today for your presence. We thank you today, Lord, that you're here. And, Lord, I give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that as people have gathered together today to hear your word. Lord, I thank you that you will not disappoint. Holy Spirit, I thank you today that you're the preacher and the teacher. You're the communicator. You're the revelator of all truth. Thank you today for what you're going to do in hearts and lives. And we give you all the praise and glory now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen. Somebody shout, it's going to be a new thing. It's going to be a new thing. It's going to be a new thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In our text in Matthew, the, the interesting thing to me about that particular portion of Scripture that we read is that although it's accurately applied to an individual because Jesus was talking about a man, uh, about deliverance, but Jesus ends that phrase by saying, and this is the way it will be with this evil generation. He's implying to us that not only do people have the potential to be harassed by seducing spirits, but an entire generation can be harassed by seducing spirits. And in our text, Jesus is relating to us about a generation of people and the condition of that nation within that particular generation. He's talking to us about a generation or a genre of people within the context of a nation. Every nation and every generation has a corporate destiny. We didn't just arrive here by accident. You didn't just show up on this planet by accident. You're here at the right time, at the right place, at the right moment. We didn't just get here by osmosis. It was a deliberate plan by God. You don't, you weren't, you're, not, you're not a part of this nation by accident, and you're not a part of the kingdom of God for such a time as this by accident. 
So we didn't, we didn't just arrive here because every individual has a destiny and every nation corporately, they have a destiny. Don't wait on you. And part of our role is not only do we give stewardship to our lives individually, but part of the role in the body of Christ is we've got to give stewardship to a nation spiritually. And God has called the church in America and around the world to fight and defend for what God loves. And we are living in some of the most jacked up moments in the history of mankind. These are some of the most evil days that we have ever seen in our generation. And if the, and if the body of Christ will take hold of what the Spirit of God is trying to do in this nation and in this land and in our homes, we will see some of the greatest outpourings that we have ever witnessed in the nation. I don't believe that God is finished with your life no more than I believe that he's finished with America. I believe there's some people that are sitting under the sound of my voice today that you feel something stirring inside of you. You feel something moving inside of you. You don't know what it looks like. You don't know what it sounds like, but you're going to know when it gets there. So we're living in these times, and I've discovered over the years that if we're not careful many times, it can get easy to get stuck with a mentality that keeps us satisfied with the status quo. Without a doubt now, just let me work on this a little bit because I'm, I'm building a picture here, hopefully. Without a doubt, everybody in here has been raised and affected by the culture through a collective conscience. You've been raised, and when you were born, you were thrown into a culture that already had a collective conscience that was at stake. There was already a mindset at stake. There was already a school of thought that was functioning when you got here. And that environment and that school of thought has helped shape the way you and I believe certain things. That environment that we have been born into, that ideology, that school of thought, that philosophy, whatever you want to uh, tag it with, we were born into that thought pattern. And, 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 and apart from being coming a Christian, and getting a different mentality through the Word of God, that school of thought becomes very pervasive, and it becomes very effective at controlling our thought patterns, causing us to believe something that may not even be true, but because it's been around for a long time, and because a lot of people uh, give adherence to it, we begin to believe like everybody else, and it may not even be true. And so we're living in a day of full-blown deception. The, the, the greatest power that the enemy has is not power, it's deception. The, the, enemy does not, the, the enemy doesn't even have power over the believer. In fact, the enemy doesn't work by power, he works by permission. So whatever we give him permission to do, he has power over. So the greatest test for the body of Christ in America is deception. And if we're not careful, we'll be deceived that just because it's the mob rule, just because it's the cultural vein, just because it's the attitude or the school of thought of culture, if we're not careful, the body of Christ will get right into that same river and we'll flow right down that same river and we'll end up missing everything that God wants to do. But I believe in this generation. I believe God is wanting to pour out something new, something different, and something fresh that doesn't have any, any history attached to it. You can't label it like it was back in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s or the 50s. God is wanting to do something in our generation. 
So this environment, this school of thought has shaped the way we believe certain things. And ultimately, once you believe something long enough, your behavior becomes predicted. When you believe something long enough, it begins to foster a predicted type of behavior. <laughs> you, you, you begin to live out what you believe. You begin to act out what you believe. And I just believe, I'm just stirred in my heart today because I spent a lot of time in God's presence last night. I believe that God is wanting to do something in his people. Something so uncharacteristic that we've ever seen or heard. But we cannot march to the drumbeat of a culture that has gone awry. You cannot play hands with the devil and expect to hear what God wants to do. Your children are at stake. Your families are at stake. Your marriage is at stake. Generations around you are at stake. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not a time for the church to just start singing kumbaya and burn candles and talk to statues. This is a time where our message becomes relevant. This is a time where we understand that our God is alive, his word is alive, and his people are alive. Come on, push on somebody and tell them it's a fresh outpouring. It's a fresh outpouring. I point these things out to you this morning because in order for our faith to flourish, in order for our faith to be magnified, individuals and churches have to develop an atmosphere, or let me use this word, they have to develop a climate that becomes conducive for faith to manifest. The church has to develop a faith culture. It's a culture that says, we believe God can do anything. We believe that his hand is not short and his strength is not evaded. We believe that God can do anything that he wants to do. We believe that God is still moving in the lives of his people. We don't believe that God is distant. We don't believe he's some out there deity not in touch with the, with the, the affairs of his people. So we have to build this faith culture. We have to build this climate that makes it easy for God to move. I'm telling you, the reason why God is struggling in America is not because he don't have the power to move. It's just because he don't have a people to move with him. And, if, and what's going on right now, if we begin to take notice and if we did a survey, you'll find out that most of the people in the church don't even believe in miracles no more. They don't even believe in the power of God anymore. They have been talked out of the power of God because they have lived a life of complacency. And so now we are living in the 21st century America and we are watching our nation spiral out of control while evil begins to exalt itself. And the only remedy to evil is not another government, it's not another president, it's not another system. Them. The, only, the only remedy to evil is a bona fide church who has been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that understands that we have been anointed for this hour. Come on, tell somebody a fresh outpouring. Fresh outpouring. God's wanting to help us today, I believe, to build a faith culture. That we just believe that when we get in agreement with God, all things become possible. A faith culture that we believe in signs and wonders and miracles. I believe that God is a healer. I believe that God is a deliverer. I believe that God is a way maker. I believe that God can show up in the middle of a midnight hour in somebody's life and turn it for his good. I believe that the powers of hell has to loose its grip when the people of God begin to walk under the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. 
I believe that the power of God can still save people. I believe he can still deliver people. And in fact, I'm going to take it a little bit further because when you start building a faith culture or a faith climate, you can believe that God can turn cities around. God can turn nations around. I just came here to prophesy to somebody yet. Don't you throw in the towel right now. It's way too soon. God is still at work in his people. We've got to be like the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, I believe, therefore I speak. We have received the same spirit. We believe, therefore we speak. I'm not speaking to see it. I believe it. That's why I'm saying something about it. If the church is going to manifest its faith, then it has to become more than just an event. Mm-hmm. Talk to me up in here. It has to become more than just a club. The church has to become more than a, than a social gathering. <laughs> it has to be more than just religious calisthenics. I don't lift my hands so you can see me. I lift my hands because he's worthy. I don't praise him on cue with the worship leader. I praise him because that's who he is in my heart. I don't come to church to punch in my religious clock and then miss church for the next four or five weeks and say, well, I've been there. I come because there's a Savior that's alive, that's ruling and reigning, and he's birthing something new in his people. And I believe that God, yeah, I, might be, I might be a little off today because this ain't been really fine-tuned, but I believe that God is raising up an army in the body of Christ. I believe this last generation, which is the feet generation, that's going to begin to put everything under their feet, even the spirit of death they will begin to conquer because I believe that God can save, heal, and deliver. I believe devils can be cast out. I believe that blind eyes can be opened. I believe the dead can be raised from, it, from the death. I just believe there is a power that is about to be revealed in the church come on tell somebody new outpourings new outpourings we are in a battle we are in a spiritual battle with territorial spirits that seek to rob a generation of its progress can I just say ladies and gentlemen I don't know when the Lord's coming neither do you we don't know we just know that one day that horn is going to sound that trumpet's going to blow and then we're going to be captured away but until then we got work to do we got a lot of work to do, and I don't want to hand this kingdom of God over to a generation that is coming up behind us as if we didn't do what we were supposed to do because we're at war with territorial spirits that are locking things down. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the powers and world forces of this darkness. We're wrestling against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We're contending with spiritual forces. We become so sophisticated in our education in America, we don't even believe that demons exist. We don't even believe that demons are operating in the world because we have educated ourselves beyond that. We're higher learning now. We don't, we don't need to believe in demons. That's just, that's just for third world countries. Maybe that's why they're just the third world countries are having revival and America is struggling. How do we overcome these principalities and powers? Ephesians 3.10 says that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known through the church. 
It's through the church. The church don't have an option but to fight. I just want my little safe little corner. <laughs> I don't want to be in, in the line of fire. You're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. Well, I just want to go to work and make my money. You're part of the problem. Well, I just want to just get through life easy with no harassment. You're part of the problem. Because this battle is a warfare that's been designed by hell to overthrow everything in your life. But aren't you glad today that we serve a king who has never been conquered? Amen. I'm going to wait on you. I'm trying to, listen, listen, I'm coming to shell shock you a little bit. I'm coming to say that this house has a mandate in this city. This house has a mandate for this region. And we're not just going to go through life trying to play it safe. I believe there's going to be a Holy Ghost outpouring. And we're going to see the most magnificent moves of God in this region. I believe that radio and newscasters will come to begin to, to, to report what is God doing in the Glades region. There is so much power. There is so much anointing. People are being born again. People are coming off of drugs and alcohol. People are coming away from their porn addiction and people are being turned on to God. It's a city that's filled with the glory of God. I know we got some people that don't believe it that way but I just came to tell you, I don't care what you believe. I know what God has said and I know what is possible. Push on somebody and tell them new outpourings. New outpourings. I'm going to preach in a minute. Just let me get there. The way you deal, the way you deal with these generational spirits and these mentalities that you were born into, the way you deal with these schools of thought, the way you deal with this philosophy of the way the world thinks you ought to live, the way you deal with that is you have to have an ongoing Hear my words. You have to have an ongoing, sustained, aggressive, active, spiritual people that know how to stand and produce a spiritual climate that makes it easy for the power of God to move. I preach in some dry places, some dead churches. I don't want that here. I don't want to be a form of godliness with no power. I, I, don't, I don't want to just be one of those Christians that have the name Christian, but you can't really tell it by the lifestyle. You eventually have to get something in you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm not just preaching to you, okay? So just get your name and say, you, you might be safe for a while. I'm preaching against the attitude of a spirit, okay? It's the, I'm attacking a spirit that's trying to manipulate you in the wrong direction. You eventually have to get something in you where you stop treating God and church like a hobby. (laughs) Just be on the screen. I've said it before years ago, but you can't have power when serving God is a hobby. Can't have it. Can't just serve God when it's convenient. Can you imagine somebody in our military and say, well, we got to go to war, just wherever. Let's just, we're going to Afghanistan. we got to go to war. Well, I don't feel like it today. 
Well, I just, I don't have everything ready. How many know when you enlisted in the armed services, when duty calls, you don't have options? We've enlisted in the battle. Only in America do we water down Christianity to comfort. And because we live with comfortability so long, anything abnormal, we resist. <laughs> but you don't get new outpourings without fresh sacrifice. You don't get the fire of God to fall without sacrifice. Well, I would come to church, but. Well, I would read, but. I would pray, but. I would be nice, but. <laughs> That's the problem. You got that big old butt in the way. <laughs> Thank you for all your support. When you have a generation, I'm going to get to my point in a minute. When you have a generation that no longer has any zeal, been baptized in lemon juice upside down, that's what they look like. Can't smile unless they go to bed with a coat hanger in their mouth. No longer has any zeal or fire for the things of God. They no longer have a passion towards the things of God because after all he's a God of convenience I just serve him when I want to <laughs> oh I'll pray when I got a crisis I'll believe God when my family member needs to be healed or I need to be healed I'll fight I'll be at the altar I'll be in church when there's an issue going on convenient Christianity let me put it to you this way, cosmetic Christianity at its best. But ladies and gentlemen, that is not the warfare that we're in today. God is raising up an army of believers who know who they are in Christ. And they're not intimidated by the wiles of the enemy. They're not intimidated by the forces of hell. And they know how to stand in their own house and declare the power of God over their own lives and over their children. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, they know the spirit of the living God will raise up a standard against it. They know that. They know that. They know that they don't fall apart when things ain't right. Woo. So to the point that we have all this going on and we have a generation that has no passion, no zeal, and they become a waterless place where territorial spirits occupy. Waterless place. There, there, there's no dew. There's no fresh anointing. There's no outpouring of God's presence. There's no water of the Spirit. They're just waterless. They're just dry. They're empty. They're dusty. They're antiquated. They're thirsty. And they're just going through life making it. And God is looking for a church. He's looking for a bride to the point that a generation that's living in water, waterless places. They no longer take their place in faith. And because they don't take their place in faith, every evil act of ungodliness gets activated. 
Because there's no standard. There's no bearer. There's, no, there's, there's nothing pushing back against it. We're living in some very unusual strategic days for the church. Jesus said, when that evil, evil spirit goes out, it goes out to find waterless places so that it can find rest. It wants to find rest. The reason why that evil spirit wants to find rest because it don't want to be dealt with. <laughs> it wants to find rest because it don't want to be challenged. That evil spirit wants to find rest because it don't want to be confronted. It looks for places where it won't be identified. Mm. And the way that works culturally, the way that's working in our nation right now as a society, these spirits will set themselves in places of authority and begin to influence leaders and people socially and economically until they influence those people to such a degree, to such a degree that they begin to legislate laws that become like a walled city. And they are empowered behind those walled cities, the confines of those walled cities, and they become a spiritual walled city that goes unchallenged. For example, things like same-sex marriage. That's a walled city because now it's law. Things like abortion. It's a walled city because it's legal. And now we have an administration who's just opened up the checkbook to Planned Parenthood where they are actually funding abortion on a greater scale with your taxpayer dollars. And not only in America, but they're funding it around the world. But it's a law, so now it becomes a walled city because legislatures have moved in. So now they got this thing that they're working on now, censoring just talked about it, Facebook. Got us censored. They're going to shut the voice of the church down because they don't want to be challenged. No, nobody's shutting down the lies. They're just shutting down the truth. Antifa's not being shut down. Porn hubs are not being shut down. But anybody who declares the truth that comes from the word of God, now it becomes a challenge against spiritually powers, spiritual powers that are occupying territorial ground. Now they don't want to be challenged, so they say, okay, we're going to silence you. <laughs> Walled cities. Which will eventually work its down to freedom of religion. It's getting that way. It's getting that way. And let me just tell you, if you can't serve God now in the freedom, you're going to have a hard time when we have to go underground. Y'all better talk to me in here. I came to release an outpouring up in here. If we can't serve God now when everything is like halfway good, kind of good, you're not going to serve God when real persecution breaks out. And ladies and gentlemen, real persecution is coming to the church because the church has to be awakened. The church has to be shook. The church has to come to a place where we begin to realize that he is holy and we are not. He is mighty and we are not. And we can't do it without him. Somebody say great outpourings.
newer outpourings. Somebody shout more outpourings. So now you have principalities and powers that govern municipalities that affect the climate. Whew. Well, that's just the way it is. No. Oh, Lord, wake up the church to push. I don't want to offend nobody. Didn't live under their walls. You know, the most offensive person on the planet that ever lived was Jesus Christ. In fact, he looked at everybody around and said, you know what? Offenses are going to come. <laughs> They're going to come. You might as well get ready because you can't walk with me and not offend somebody. But I know we're living in a woke culture, okay? I know in a cancel culture because everything ought to be okay. You're deceived. You're deceived. You know where you got that school of thought? From your educators. You know where you got that school of philosophy? From your news organizations. And just because they say it don't mean it's true. Just because they teach it don't mean it's right. Just because it's legal doesn't make it right. Come on, talk to me up in here. So, so now you got all this work and the only way to dislodge an entrenched principality, the only way to dislodge these spirits that have been activated is you got to have a people that learn how to come together in unity and agreement and leverage their faith against it. Again, I just revert, revert back to armed forces. My brother-in-law's here, his wife Amber, they're all in the armed, armed forces. Multiple people here have served in the army or whatever. Just... Can you imagine your commander saying, all right, let's go. And about three-quarters of the unit say, no, I don't feel like I'm tired. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but, Max, you can help me. But if a commander gives an order, there's no debate. If there is a debate, guess what? You don't get to go. You go to the brig. Oh, that's a jail. Okay. I'm watching my World War II movies. I'm finding some stuff out. Half the body of Christ in America needs to be in the brig. Because we don't want to go. We don't want to do it. We don't want, we don't want to win. We, we want a new car, but we don't want to bring nobody to church with us. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. I came here to release an outpouring, but I got to, I got to build a foundation. We, we want God to give us a big house. Give us a big house with more money, but you won't invite nobody over to the house that you have. We want God to send us around the world to be this great missionary, this great evangelist, this great preacher, but you won't walk across your yard to your neighbor. But there is this shift. Can I say it that way? There is this movement that's taking place in the body of Christ. And I can't speak for everybody, but right here in Sugartown, right here on the southwest corner of Lake Okeechobee, I believe the fire of God is about to fall up in this place like we have never seen before. And there's going to be some outpouring of the Holy Ghost that's going to cause people to be convicted no matter where they're at. They could be driving down the highway and they're going to get convicted in their car they could be buying a can of soup from Walmart and there's going to be a conviction down aisle number nine because the power of the Holy Ghost is going to invade the glades. 
Come on, push on somebody and tell them a new outpouring. Started to call this message, Invade the Glades. And together, together, when, when you got this unity and agreement, that's a big thing. So when you got this unity and agreement, we begin to leverage our faith against what's opposing us. And then we begin to create a climate that makes all things possible. When I come up in this house together collectively, I feel the corporate anointing. When I'm, at, when I'm at my house by myself, I know there's an individual anointing. I can do certain things in it with an individual anointing. I don't need nobody else. But when I'm going to come up into a house in a corporate, a collective anointing, we can shift things a whole lot further down the road when we're together apart when we're by ourselves. So we begin to sustain this, this intensity in the spirit that refuses to accept the status quo until that climate gets built and established and it becomes conducive for the activity of God. Can I just challenge this house just a little bit? I think the days in this house of fake Christianity is pretty much over. I believe that. I believe the days of just going through religious calisthenics in this house are over. I believe there's a drawing in the realm of the spirit that says I can't do without it. I'm moving towards something greater. That's what I felt when I was praying. And last night I finally got this really, the, the word came new. I felt like God said, I'm going to release something new. Something new over New Harvest Church. Something new over the people at New Harvest Church. Then I began to question, Lord, what does it look like? And that wasn't the right question to ask. Because it's not, it's not a matter of what it looks like. Because if it's going to be new, you ain't never seen it anyway. So if it's going to be a new thing, then you don't have no frame of reference. You don't have no history attached to it. If God's going to do something new, then we don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to sound like. I don't know what it's going to uh, uh, feel like. But I know it when I see it, and I'm going to know it when I hear it. Hmm. So, so everybody, just let me hurry because time is eroding, and we've got a 12 o'clock hour here. We've got a... Be courtesy to something. Everybody, everybody is a product of their territory. Whether you like it or not, you're a product of your territory. Those thought patterns have produced something in you. Maybe the way you were raised, maybe the school that you went to, maybe the environment, or maybe the city that you live in. But you're a product of what you've been exposed to. And every territory... Just spiritually speaking now, every territory has certain dominant thought patterns that prevail more than others. Certain atmospheres are sustained by certain attitudes. <laughs> they get sustained because they've been in that territory entrenched for a long time. They've been there for a while. So what God has to do 
is he gathers, we're just going to keep using this word, he gathers together a remnant. He just gathers together a people who are willing to go back. That's what Pastor Vanessa said at prayer meeting the other night. When the, when the Jews could be released out of Babylon and go back and rebuild the temple, when they, when they were given permission to go, only a remnant went back. Not everybody went back because they got comfortable with Babylon. You can live in captivity for so long that you begin to give license to it to operate in your life. You can be held in bondage for so long that it becomes comfortable. It becomes a way of life. But there's a remnant who says, Babylon don't fit me. There's a remnant that says, I want to go to a place in God that Babylon could not provide. I want to build something for the glory of God that Babylon won't let me build. I want to see the power of God move that Babylon won't let me see. And I just believe, oh, I just believe there's a generation, there's a remnant right here that believes that God is speaking to this house and we're going to see the moves of God on an exponential level. Because everybody's a product. So what he does, he gathers this remnant, okay? He just, he's gathering, he's gathering, he's gathering, he's gathering, he's gathering. He's, he's separating the wheat from the chaff. The hotter getting hotter and the colder getting colder. <laughs> yeah. Because moves of God are fairly ever released through the majority. It's always released through the minority. The majority of the people follow Jesus for the loaves and fishes. Fed 5,000 men on a hillside, not counting women and children. Had the majority of the people with him. But the move of God only fell on 120 because they were willing to stick it out. There are a lot of people following Jesus for what he can give them. But there are some people who realize we don't want nothing else from him. We just want to do something for him. <laughs> Oh, Lord. So they're coming, and they got these new containers. They got these new vessels. And they're coming, and they're coming, and God's about to release something. And see, what, what, what happens is these people begin to rise. And for the sake of time, I want to just move to another portion here. But these people begin to rise because in, in Elisha's day, they had to take new vessels and put salt in it. He didn't say get an old vessel. He said, bring me something new. And put salt. How many know that Jesus said we're the salt of the earth? Matthew 5, 13. Salt is a purifying agent. Salt is a preservative. Salt helps stuff from decaying. So God said, I need new vessels that carry enough power to keep the culture from decaying. I got to have some people, a new people, maybe not new in your time with the Lord, but new in your attitude, new in your school of thought, new in your purpose, new in your mandate, new in your mission. That I can't just keep going through the same old thing. 
I can't just keep living life like this and never seeing nothing happen. So you got to get something new. You can't put new wine in the old wine skins. They're both going to burst. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. Jesus said you got to put new wine into new wine skins. you got to have something that's moldable, pliable, something that's flexible, something that can flow, something that can go when I go. So we're living in this day where God is stretching us. How many feel like God's stretching you? God's stretching us. If, if you're not being stretched, then you're, not, you're, you're way too comfortable. God's, he, 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 if nothing else, you ought to be stretching, be stretching your prayer life. How long do you pray? Well, I got a minute in the other day. He's stretching our focus on the word. How much of the word do you read? Because how many know the word is our manual? The word is our instructions. How many know he's trying to adjust our mentality of the way our school of thought has predicted we should act so that we begin to think like God? How many know that the word of God is the logos of God? It's the logic of God. It's the mind of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want the mind of the news. I want the mind of God. So if I want to know how to live, I get into the word. I don't give into woke culture or cancel culture, mob rule. I get into the word of God. Praise the Lord. I'm getting tied up in here now. I've got four minutes. Don't worry, Don. I see the runway. <laughs> I see it. I'm getting there. Here comes Elisha. He comes into a territory, and that territory is in the midst of barrenness. It's in the midst of corruption and unfruitfulness. And he walks up into a territory and says, I got something to say. I've got the answer to the barrenness. I've got an answer to this culture's problem. The situation, the natural geography was pleasant, but the water was bad. The water was off. That which was flowing was bad. It's a bad spirit that's causing the barrenness. It's a bad spirit that's causing the unfruitfulness. And Elijah walks in there in the midst of an epidemic. We're in a pandemic. He comes into an epidemic. I still don't understand why you call it a pandemic with a 99.8% curable rate, even if you're 75. You ain't got to say nothing. You ain't got to say nothing. And I'm not saying COVID ain't real because it has affected people. But I'm just saying it's not a pandemic. It's a fear-demic. And it's caused the church to regress. It's caused the church to back up. And the church has the only answer to a decaying society. 
And Elisha walks up into an epidemic and says, hey, listen, I've got the answer to this problem. Just get me some new vessels. Get me somebody that I can put some salt in, somebody that I can put some life into, and then let me go back to the source. Let me deal from where the bad source is flowing from, and let me pour it into that source, and then let me speak to the city. And Elisha begins to prophesy over the city, and the healing power of God begin to move through the city, and barrenness was no more. Unfruitfulness was no more more even to this day in that region it no longer has authority because there was some new vessels in the land that had enough of the Holy Ghost that understood we are the answer tell somebody fresh out pouring come on Pastor Porter I'm going wheels are down and isn't it just like Elisha to pick a fight with the dominant mentality. If I had children that were young enough to be in school, and I don't mean this because we got some amazing educators in our school system, I thank God for because they are salt and light in a decaying society. But if I had children, I would not put them in to a system that's going to indoctrinate them and tell them it's okay to get your genitals mutilated. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it because that's where it's going. That's where it's going. We're facing this thing called the Equality Act, right? It's already passed through the House. It's coming to the Senate. And apart from a miracle from God with change of hearts, it's going to pass. And then the president's going to sign it into law. That means your little five-year-old girl has to go to the bathroom with a five-year-old boy. And you can't do nothing about it because it's a law. You can pitch a fit and you can't do nothing about it. That means your little high school girl that's playing high school sports, if a boy says, I feel like I'm a girl, he can compete against her. It'll become a law. It's awful quiet in this Presbycostal church right now. I'm trying to tell you, this is why we got to have a new outpouring. Because if we don't have a new outpouring, things are not going to get better, folks. Things are not going to get easier. Things are not going to get more comfortable. Things are going to get worse. And the only remedy to what is worse is a people that understand that we are salt and we are light and we are vessels of his honor and vessels for his glory. So that we get into the middle of what's going on. And we begin to declare what God is saying. And we break the barrenness. Ugh. Hallelujah. Maybe I'm just a little far gone, but we have faith for everything else. I believe God can give us faith for a nation. I believe that God can give a people a faith for a nation. God is in love with nations. And I just believe right here, I believe that even in here, in this southwest corner of Lake Okeechobee, there's enough faith-filled people right here. We can't do nothing about Washington, but I can do something about my house. I can't do nothing about what's going on around the world, but I can do something about what's going on in my territory. Come on, if you believe that, get up on your feet and give God a shout of praise. Here's, well, I wish I had time to preach it. Elisha is carrying a double portion. His mentor, Elijah, gets taken up in a whirlwind to heaven. 
one of the two people that we know in the Bible that never died, Elijah and Enoch. The Bible says Enoch was and he was not, never died. Could it be that they tapped into a realm of God, that they had defeat over death? Could it be that God's just giving us a picture of what's to come? His mentor, whom he had not, I didn't have time to preach on, his mentor whom he had served for 16 years. The reason why some people don't carry the anointing because they don't serve nothing. They serve themselves, serve their own dreams, serve their own hearts, don't serve in nobody else's vision so they don't get the double portion. Elijah looks at Elisha and says, listen, when you see me go, that's when you're going to get it. But you got to be close enough to see me leave. You can't, you, you, I can't be here and you be over there. Okay, let me break it down. <laughs> I'm not going to want to look at nobody, but you, 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 can't, you can't be doing your thing when God is doing his thing. All right, that's about half of y'all. The rest of y'all, I'm coming. Let, let, me, let, me, let me just drill it down a little further. It has nothing. Listen, I preach to two or 2,000. It don't make no difference to me. It's not about numbers. I'm trying to move an army. That's what I'm trying to do. It takes unity and agreement, right? That, that means when, what, what's God's thing on Sunday? It's called church. I'm not talking about you working. I'm talking about you just not showing up because you've got your thing going. You over there doing what you want to do versus what God has instructed us to do. Well, you got to say that you're a preacher. No, that's what the Bible says. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together even more as you see that day approaching. Because we live in America, we have an American mentality because we were raised in a school of thought. We were raised in an idealism. We were raised in a way we think it ought to go because we're Americans. We tell God what to do. No, God says, this is how you're going to do it if you're going to get the double portion. If you're going to get a major outpouring, you got to do it my way. So Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind. His body leaves, but his mantle falls. It's the same thing with Jesus. When Jesus left the planet, Jesus left, but the Christ stayed. The anointing stayed. The mantle stayed. And what God is doing in this hour, he's trying to find some people that are walking close enough with him that when the mantle falls, they pick up the mantle. Come on, Elijah. And they strike the waters of the Jordan. And the waters begin to part. And Elisha did twice as the miracles as Elijah did because he was fruiting with a fresh outpouring of God. He's moving with God. Then he walks around and he comes to a city. There it is. There's barrenness. There's unfruitfulness. Oh, I got the answer. I've got an anointing for this thing. I can fix this situation. Just give me some new vessels. Just give me somebody who has the power on the inside of them. Woo. Can I just challenge us with that thought today as we leave? God's pouring it out. But it's only coming to willing vessels. It's not coming to people that got their own thing going. It's coming to people who've been walking with God close enough that they can see and feel what he's doing. Come on, over the building, lift your hands. We're just going to pray now. 
I'm fixing to release something. We're just going to pray. I need to hear you praying. Come on, are you hungry for it? Are you ready for it? How bad do you want it? Pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. Come on, how bad do you want it? Come on, we're coming to break the curse. We're coming to break the curse. What's the curse? Whatever it is that's limiting. Death and life are in the power of the tongue.
when I was praying, I came across some information, and I think God just did it by design, just to let me know that I wasn't off. And I came across this information about a city. George Otis Jr. in his book called Informed Intercession. He said there was a city in Guatemala in the 70s, Alamalongo, Alamalongo, Guatemala, in the 70s. It was a very idolatrous and economically depressed city. Poverty was at its lowest. Violence was at its highest. Alcoholism was rampant. And morality was at its lowest ever. Alamongo, Guatemala. And families were suffering because of the, depra the, because of the depravity that was in the land. And the gospel was not prospering because the preachers and the churches were being persecuted. Christian leaders were being thrown into jail. But in 1974, a series of prayer meetings began. Five-hour prayer meetings began in 1974. And they began to pray until God began to move. Come on. We were raised in an ideology. We, we, we make God move, but God's going to move when he moves. But you got to be in agreement. When God began to move, this just this ought to help all of us. It helped me. When God began to move, deliverance began to break out. Healings began to break out. And the dead were being raised. Listen. The conversion rate of salvations began to happen so fast and so rapidly. To this day, about 19,000 people live in Alamongo, Guatemala. And 90% of them are evangelical Christians. There's only 7,000 in Clouston. Where y'all at today? Yeah. I'm trying to let you know that God can save a city. Yeah. Revival began to take place that life and families and businesses begin to go off the chart. Most of that place was an agrarian society. There were farmers. The land became so fertile. Come on, U.S. Sugar. Come on, all you farmers out there. You want the blessings of God? Let's give God some glory. Let's give God some power over the land. Yeah. The produce in the land became so fruitful that they began to call it America's vegetable garden. The fields began to produce some of the world's largest harvest of vegetables. Beets, beets weighed five pounds. Carrots were as big as a man's arm. Google it. You'll see it. It's on there. You'll see the pictures of the carrots. They're big as, they're big as my arm. Cabbages were the size of basketballs. And crime disappeared to the point that in 1994,
the last of the four jails were closed. I don't know what else to do. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You don't think when God moves that cities get flipped upside down? You don't think when God moves that things begin to shake under his presence and under his power? I'm just saying if God can do it in Guatemala, he ought to be able to do it right here. A fresh outpouring. A fresh outpouring. A new mantle. A new anointing. Come on, give him praise one more time. Come on, give him praise. It's still available. I'm going to release you. If you need to go, it's fine. I'm just going to release a massive prayer. But if you say, I'm ready for this overflow, I'm ready for this new anointing, just come on down here to the altar. Let me pray a prayer over you one time. I just want to release that over your life today. You're so hungry for it, you got to be beat back off the altar right now. You're so hungry for it, you cannot be satisfied. You've got to have something different. You need something different in your house. You need something different in your marriage. You need something different in your children. We need something different in our city. We need something different in our territory. Come on, if you're hungry for it, just begin to lift your hands. Begin to lift your hands and begin to cry out. Let a holy cry. Let a hungry cry. Let a cry come out of your innermost being. God, how much do you want it? How bad do you need it? Hey, 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 hey.
Father, in the name of Jesus, baptize with the new anointing. Baptize us with a new anointing. Baptize us with a fresh anointing. Come on, let it flow over our hearts. Let it flow in our lives. Fresh. Fresh. To this day, 2021, to this day, Guatemala has the highest percentage of evangelical Christians in all of Latin America. Because God showed up in a place that was barren. God showed up at a place where crime was at an all-time high. God showed up at a place where marriages were falling apart. Drugs and alcoholism was at an all-time high. God just showed up. The answer to our problems in America is not another president, not a better governmental system. The answer to our problem in America is a move of God. And only the church can produce a move of God. Only the church can do that. Only the church. Could it be said, maybe one day, that Clouston, Florida has the highest percentage of believers in all of the Glades region. I believe it's possible. I don't know about you, but I've got my mantle on. And I'm striking the waters and I'm speaking to barrenness. I'm striking the water and I'm speaking to unfruitfulness. I'm striking the waters and I'm speaking to crooked governments and evil governments and evil systems. And I'm saying, God, bring them down. God, turn them upside down. God, break them in the name of Jesus. It can happen. It can happen. Father, in the name of Jesus. We stand poised and we stand ready. Let a new outpouring take shape in our hearts until the fire of God burns in our own hearts and it spills out into the streets, the highways, the byways, until everybody that's around us is infected by the preservative of who we are salt in a decaying world. We're going to slow the decay in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You got family members? You better start expecting God to do something over their hearts. I'm telling you. I'm telling I'm after now. I'm telling I think I got permission last night. It took me a while to get it. But I think I got permission last night to start what God wants to do. And that's a move of God in the Glades region. I think I got the okay. I think I got it. Start it. Start it in the name of Jesus. Father, bless your people today. 
give them strength on their jobs tomorrow throughout the week Lord make us thirsty make us hungry we need more of you we give you praise and we give you thanks for it in Jesus mighty name I pray and everybody together said amen just high five about three people tell them it's new it's new it's a new thing it's a new thing it's a new thing it's a new thing god bless you we love every one of you we'll see you on tuesday night for prayer have an amazing day an amazing week